Odyssey, a tale of two homers. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to Basketballers. So today we're going to talk about the perpetually terrible franchises that we both love, the Minnesota Timberwolves for myself, the Atlanta Hawks for me, and we're not going to talk about how Matt has never read The Odyssey by Homer. I I actually have (laughs) read The Odyssey back in ninth grade when it was required reading. You read? Wow. Yeah. I was about to make a little prop bet on that. At least parts of it. Yeah. Okay, at least parts, yeah. I read the Cliff Notes version. Basically. <laughs> right before I did the book report. I actually have this old like nineteen thirties at my like at my parents' house. We had this old nineteen thirties version of the Odyssey. It's kinda cool. Oh, like the King James version. Basically. Essentially. It's probably more accurate than the Bible though, to be honest. So So I want to start this podcast off with another story. A story of Atlanta. Matt, do you have any favorite stories from Atlanta that you want to share? <laughs> Are we going to go here this early in the pod? <laughs> Why don't we save it for the end if we have time? This cannot be what we lead off with. All right. What do you want to lead off with? Spoiler, I have a really great story about Atlanta, but I'll tell it at the end if we have time. So we can dive into kind of our main thing, and then we'll talk about uh, the NBA season, which they just confirmed is going to start on December 22nd, which is really awesome. Yep, just in time for Christmas. But uh, we wanted to just talk today because we haven't really, while we've mentioned several times our fandom, obviously it's very important to us of the teams that we root for, we haven't really like taken a deep dive into the specifics of why we like the franchises and the, I mean, when you when you root for a like perennially bad team, there's always a lot of fun and ridiculous shenanigans you have to put up with, like just a bunch of bullshit every year yep. because you're not dealing with a good, like a well-ran organization usually. And so you have like just interesting players that come in and out, interesting coaches, interesting front office staff, David yeah, Kahn. Every, every year, you're, <laughs> every year you're like hoping for potential is what you're rooting for. You're like, Oh man, maybe there's a chance that someone will be good. <laughs> I had a Facebook memory pop up the other day and my wife, this was like back in 2013, about a year before we got married. And she was like, Matt's so excited that his Timberwolves are starting three and Oh, he's excited for this to finally be the season. And I'm like, (laughs) and spoiler alert, it didn't fucking happen at all. (laughs) Every season with a bad team, you win three, four games in a row and you're like, they got it. It's it. This is it. The team has clicked. They're finally rounding the turn. Yep. 50 games into the season, they're going to make a late season push. Maybe they get that eight seed. Oh, the other teams are collapsing. They're going to trade away their best players. And then your team loses like five straight. And you're like, next year, there's potential. They got it figured out now. The pinnacle of like a pretty decent lineup for the Wolves that just had incredible mediocrity was, I don't quite remember the year. I think it was 2013 or 14. When it was Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, Michael Beasley, Nikola Pekovic, um, Kevin Martin, and they went 40 and 42. And it was like they should have made the playoffs. They should have been an eighth or seventh seed, but they just really underperformed expectations. Was that when Corey Brewer got his 51? Uh, no, I think that was a little later because Corey Brewer had a couple of different stints with that, with the team. It might've been honestly, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> positive. Corey Brewer out of nowhere is scoring 51. But so here's the fun thing. Like, I think most people probably have heard of Corey Brewer, but for someone like myself, who's a Timberwolves fan and let me be clear. Like, I, I mean, I really like old school Timberwolves stuff too, but I became a huge fan when I was in college cause I went to college in Minnesota. And so that was when they were just so shitty we're talking 13 15 17 21 win seasons very consistently and i've been there through it all one playoff appearance which was the jimmy b year which was rough anyway but at least they made the playoffs (laughs) lost to houston in five games okay like that's fine i think five i think they won a game anyway We'll let you have it. We'll let me have it, uh, even if I'm making it up. <laughs> but people like Corey Brewer, 
were like fixtures of Timberwolves team. Like, yeah, this guy's actually pretty good. You should watch. And I do love Corey Brewer. He's actually a really fun player to root for. His, his shooting form is weird. I don't like watching him shoot, but I like watching him play. So when he's on your team, though, it's he's like he's a gamer. He's a hustle player, and that's what's so fun about him. He plays defense. He just like he plays really hard and just gives it at his all every single game, every single possession. Speaking of weird shooting forms, Kevin Martin, he's he would Kmart. hold the ball in front of him and just kind of like flick his wrist sideways. I remember watching him and just like being kind of pissed off that the ball was going in. I'm like, this is totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Martin was a really good shooter. He was. Yeah, it stat, was stat wise, he was good. Yeah. but it's just it did not look good. So, Paul, talk to me about your Hawks for a minute. Like, I just, I kind of set a baseline, I guess. And then tell me about kind of your baseline of the Hawks and, and your feelings on um, what you've seen from the franchise. <laughs> I know you kind of come from like the Josh Smith, Al Horford, um, Joe Johnson era. Yeah. So, I got into the Hawks specifically a little bit later than you. I moved to Atlanta after college. So, that would have been 2012. I moved down there. Before that, I was just a fan of the whole NBA. You know, I just watched a lot of teams and pretty much everyone who was good. So, not a lot of Atlanta before then. (laughs) Atlanta was the classic NBA TV. That's what I remember. The Atlanta teams would be good. Like, they would have a winning percentage. And all their playoff series would be on NBA TV. Because it'd be like, the Hawks versus the Pacers. You know, and they're both considered small markets. Even though Atlanta's in the top 10 for population in in the U.S. But... You know, their fans were kind of transient. They weren't super hardcore fans. And so just every season was like NBA TV. You tune in, you watch them lose in the first or second round. Never the conference finals. You made the conference finals, you're like, oh, oh man, maybe this is the year. And then they lose. So, yeah, I I got in at like the Al Horford era. And Al Horford was a good player. He was just underrated his entire time in Atlanta. And they had some good teams. And your boy, Paul Millsap. I love Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's a G. He just he did like all the all the little things on the court that just helped them win. And Horford did a lot of that too. Josh Smith did all the things that helped them lose. <laughs> and then Millsap was just, he was so solid. I feel like Josh Smith, and like while Josh Smith had a higher... Uh, arc than this player. I feel like he and Michael Beasley are so similar. He was on the Hawks longer than Beasley was on the Wolves. But I feel like they're very similar players in that they had all the physical tools to be really, really, really good. Yep. And they had a couple of decent seasons, but otherwise were, like, very bad. Yeah. Yep. Mil- Millsap is one of those players where every team wants him. Like, he would find a spot on every team. And that's even more than Horford. I don't think every team would want Horford. But if, like, if Millsap was available, every team would be like, yeah, we'd love to have him. If a team if, had cap space, they would love to if, sign If Millsap. Horford and Millsap are getting paid the same amount, I think teams choose Millsap. He's more versatile. Especially in their primes. Yeah. Probably the highlight of recent Atlanta Hawks fandom, I think it was, it was January of, I don't remember what year it was now, but all five Hawk players won player of the month. They just split it because the Hawks went undefeated for the entire month. It was like Jeff Teague, Al Horford. <laughs> so you you have players. Was Joe like Johnson that. still there? No, that would have been after Joe Johnson. But that was it was supposed to be Spurs East. You know, it was like, oh, we got five really good players, you know, and they like form Optimus Prime Transformers and they're like better collective than, you know, they are individually. And that never really panned out because you need a superstar to win in the playoffs. Right. Al Horford's a really good player, but he wasn't a superstar. So, uh, I do want to shout out Peril Antic. Oh who, my God, I forgot about him. He was great. The, just like this bald European guy. And I remember, because the Hawks would play the Pacers like a few years in a row. And Roy Hibbert was on the Pacers. Yeah. And Peril Antic was just... Shooting three-pointers. He was He's like the small ball center because Horford was playing power forward. And just like random dude named Paramantich is like a problem in the league right now. <laughs> it was great. And then poof, he was just gone. Like Roy Hibbert just disappeared and Paramantich just disappeared. They both just kind of like evaporated at the same time. 
Yeah, the Roy... Anyway, Roy Hibbert's a different day, but that's an interesting story. Like, as far as how he just disappeared. He was, like, a very good center. Yeah. And then just disappeared. He created verticality and then just was like, cool, I'm out. Yep. I'm gone. So, okay, Paul, if you can think on the spot, who is your, since you've been a fan, who's who's your least favorite coach that you've had? Bud was the coach most of the time I can remember. I'm trying to think who was the coach before that. Um, Larry Drew was the coach before that. Larry Drew. It's got, I mean, Bud was a good coach. Lloyd Pierce now is a good coach. So it's got to be Larry Drew just by default. I mean, it, coaching really hasn't been a problem for the Hawks. Like, Lloyd Pierce is still untested. They just got Nate McMillan, who used to be the head coach of the Pacers. He's now an assistant coach, which is a great hire. That's a super good hire for that organization. Yeah, it's awesome. So, like, coaching isn't really the problem. Especially since McMillan's, like, a defensive specialist that's really going to help. And really, with you guys getting Capella, yep. I think that's really going to help. Yeah, I think that's going to surprise a lot of people yeah. this year. But also just having someone like McMillan helps with, I think, getting some free agents too. It's not just like going to the Knicks and playing for Thibodeau or something. Well, but... and frankly, if the team I mean, if the team underperforms and you have to let Lloyd Pierce go, you have your next head coach. You, you have Nate McMillan, at least for a year or two. Yeah. Someone you can step in. Yep. Um, yeah, because they had Kenny Atkinson as an assistant coach under Bud. Yeah. And Kenny was kind of supposed to be the next coach. And then he got the Nets job. And we were like, that's cool. You know, Bud's still here. You you go spread your wings and fly, Kenny. And then he got the Kyrie axe. <laughs> so I'm actually not sure where Kenny Atkinson is right now. I don't think he's anywhere right now. Maybe he comes back home. He's a good coach. If you guys also got Kenny Atkinson, that's a pretty that's- dope coaching roster. Yeah. Lloyd Pierce, Nate McMillan, and <laughs> someone else like that. So, no, coaching's never been the problem. It really has just been having a superstar. Because we've been full of the Al Horfords, the Paul Millsaps, you know, Joe Johnson back in the day. Like, really good players, but no one who's going to beat LeBron. I love how your problem has not been coaching. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or front I, office. The front office has made a few mistakes, but overall they've been solid. I mean, they let Horford walk. Like Hor- Horford was, I think he was there for nine years. That's he not was, a bad decision, though, to be honest. He was, but he was the franchise player. Like there is loyalty, there is you know some emotional aspect to having a player there for nine years who says he loves the city, wants to be there, and being like, actually, bye. You know, there is like if you did that to Cat in four years, you wouldn't be super thrilled about it. It's a little different. Is it? Yes. Cat's already a better player than Al Horford, so. Oh, that's actually kind it's of not a hot take. Cat is definitely a better player than Al Horford. Horford, in, was, in my opinion, Horford is better on defense. Cat's much better on offense. Cat's, I think, so much better on offense that it doesn't matter. Horford, Horford was good on okay, okay. I'll let that one go, but it for now it would be similar to that. Yes, I understand. You know, just kind of the ruthless, like, well, we're not going to pay you what they are, so peace. But it's it a good front office decision. Yeah. So right. We have been we haven't been plagued by the same problems that the Timberwolves have. We've made bad draft picks. I remember we drafted Adrian Payne, and he was supposed to be like super good and then I think we traded him to Minneapolis. To the to the Timberwolves, yeah. I was just gonna say that. And he was supposed to, that was supposed to be like the reclamation project, still on his And it didn't deal, happen. And he was just bad. So the Timberwolves problem has been they've actually had the players they've been able to get, like they've had some pretty good players overall ish. I mean, they had Kevin Love. Kevin Love was really good in Minnesota. Kevin Love was he really was good. Really good. And then they basically, you know, well, they get Wiggins uh, in that trade with Cleveland, which Andrew Wiggins should have been better than he is. He's not a terrible player, but Wiggins, he's not good. Wiggins was always weird because I remember coming out of the draft, he was supposed to be just a defensive specialist. It was like, maybe the offense will come, but that guy's going to be a ball stopper. Yes. And then in the NBA, he's like, no defense and all offense. It was just completely backwards. Yeah. He was like, I'm just going to shoot the ball. And, uh, yeah, I'll just let whoever I'm guarding kind of score on me. But there's like a year gap, and then they get Cat. 
And so, I mean, you go from Kevin Love to Cat, so you basically have, like, an identity. And before K-Love, you had Al Jefferson, who wasn't as good. But you basically have an identity of, like, a decade plus. I loved Al Jefferson. I'm not a big Al fan. But they have a decade plus of, like, dominant big men. So, there is a theme there. And and it could could be worse. Well, and that's the thing that I think brings, brings me to what the real issue has been is the front office has been so bad for so long. Was so bad for so long. Um... And the coaching has been, like, it's not terrible. It's suspect. not been terrible. So, the worst the franchise, I think, ever was in its history was when I kind of first became a fan, which was when David Kahn was the GM, who I think probably will go down as one of the worst GMs in the history of sports. So, for reference, <laughs> he, he here, might be. <laughs> here's why people think he's so bad. Well, I'll just say, as a fan of an opposing team, I love David Kahn. That's part of my. That's part of the case. But here, here's the really simple example as to why he was so bad. In the 2009 NBA draft, the Timberwolves had the number five and number six pick. They picked Johnny Flynn from Syracuse, and if you're saying who, you're forgiven. You're forgiven because. He was in the league for like three years. Which which is not good. <laughs> he had an injury that like ended his career. Johnny Flynn actually wasn't terrible, but anyway, Johnny Flynn with five, Ricky Rubio with six, and then the Golden State Warriors selected Steph Curry. There were there was a lot of talk and still has been that Steph Curry refused to play for the Wolves. However, you, you pick them. Like, if you're the Timberwolves, you just pick them. And if he forces a trade or whatever, so be it. You have that asset that other teams want. But they, like, Ricky Rubio was a good player for the Wolves. And I think he's actually kind of underrated. I love Ricky Rubio. He was, he's a great ball handler, really good passer, decent defender. Um, not a very good shooter, but he was really fun to watch. So, like, I can get that pick. But picking Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry was unforgivable. Yeah, and there were many bad. other drafts i mean like they picked west johnson in the 2010 draft at the fourth pick yeah that didn't Just, pan out no there, there were a lot of picks um that that did not pan out and you kind of know that because like how many of your picks are still in the league uh Derek williams the number two pick in yep. the 2011 draft not in the league so those were all david conera picks terrible terrible picks and and when you look no franchise that has, let's say a franchise has a top five pick or picks in the top five for three or four years in a row. They are very likely to at least one of those years get a good player. Yep. Most likely to get a, a productive player at some level all of those years. The Timberwolves got none. Right. Like sometimes you get Anthony Bennett. Sometimes you get Kyrie Irving. And that's a crapshoot. And, and you know what? If you're the Cavs, that's something you're willing to do at that time. That's because right. ultimately Kyrie got you a ring with LeBron. That's right. And Anthony Bennett was terrible. But they're, terrible, and terrible. They're both number one overall picks to the same organization within a few years span. So it is just a crapshoot, but David Kahn just lost basically every bet that he made. Yeah, he was he was terrible all the time. But as far as coaching goes, Kurt Rambis was the worst. Kurt Rambis was the coach. I forgot he coached. Kurt Rambis was the worst. He was, I like he just, he was just a terrible coach. He was so I pulled up the 2009 to 2010 Timberwolves roster. That's the team. Kurt Rambis was the coach. They went 15 and 67, which actually tied the Timberwolves from 1991 to 1992. So give me their roster, and I can let's let's just talk about it for a second. So I'll skip over some names which are just irrelevant. But no, you, go through all of them. You, because want, you want all of this pain? I do. It's a, it's a lot of pain right Start here. Start the top. Corey Brewer. That's fine. First Timberwolves stint. Love it. Brian Cardinal. Brian Cardinal, w- the janitor, won, <laughs> was on the 2011 Mavs team that won the championship. And <laughs> you know it's the whitest dude ever when his nickname is the janitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The dude, the dude was getting older too. <laughs> I think he's the oldest player on that team. He is. He's the oldest player on the 2009 Timberwolves. Wayne Ellington. 
Was, Wayne Ellington was a good shooter, and in yeah, fact, it's was, like it's he was like a good young player. And he actually got I don't remember who he went to after the Wolves, but he was better after the Wolves. Yeah, and then and then he's out of the league. Yeah, Johnny Flynn, who we've talked about, Johnny Flynn, Ryan Gomes, who I honestly have never heard of. Ryan Gomes was like a small power forward type player. And he's listed as small forward, yep. 6'7", 250. He went to the Clippers, I believe, after the Wolves. Yeah, he, so he started in Boston, yep. went to Mini for a few years, went to the Clippers, and then OKC. <laughs> Minnesota's the only team that he played all 82 games, and he did that twice. I think he was in the KG trade. I think he came over with Al Jefferson. Okay. I believe. In that trade in 08. That was, yeah, the timeline for that would, would line up. But it's just, there's a guy around like, who is this? He played all 82 games. Paul, I'll tell you, I, I, I got you on this roster here. Let's keep going. You're right. July 31st, 2007, traded by the Boston Celtics with Gerald Green, Al Jefferson, Theo Ratliff, Sebastian Telfair, a 2009 first round draft pick, which was Wayne Ellington. And the draft pick was turned into Johnny Flynn for Kevin Garnett. Which could have been Steph Curry. What a haul. You could have gotten Ste- like you could have gotten Steph Curry out of the KG trade, and if now you look back and you're like, Yeah, we got Al Al um Jesus Christ. Jefferson. I almost said Horford. Al Jefferson. Like all these players, but we got Steph Curry yeah. for KG. And oh, now you're like Nope. <laughs> that's actually like a better trade for the Wolves long term. Because got, KG was we older. Got nothing. Yeah. Uh, some dude named Jason Hart. I actually don't remember Jason Hart. Keep going. That, that's fine. Ryan Hollins. Ryan Hollins is like a power forward, kind of a lanky dude. Yeah. Yep. Nathan Jawai. Nathan Jawai was, he's an Australian player, I believe. He was like a backup, backup yeah, center. You're right. Yep. He was like a big chunky dude. I actually didn't, I, I saw that team a couple of times at the target center and Nathan Jawai was kind of a fun player to watch. He was kind of a bully. Al Jefferson, who I love. Sure. Just watching him in the post. Oh, it's great. Kevin Love. Yep. Who's great. Darko Milicic. Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) Matt just recoiled a little bit. He's like, oh, Darko. Forgot about Darko. So Darko... um, Darko I haven't heard that name in a long time. He's 7'250". So Darko was the number two pick. In the 2003 draft, I believe. I believe he was the number two pick. I believe, yes. By the Detroit Pistons. So, let's talk about the 2003 draft. Can you pull that up very quickly, Paul? And I will just, like, talk while you pull it up. So, the 2003 draft is probably the best draft in the history of the NBA. One it of them. It's legendary. It's one of the best. Why don't you uh, go uh, just... Give me the top, like, ten, or top seven, maybe. Yep, we start with LeBron James. Right. Then our boy Darko, who is on the Timberwolves. So let's talk about who goes after him. Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, mm. Dwayne Wade, mm. Chris Kamen. So we took a little bit of yeah. a dip right there. <laughs> uh, Kirk Heinrich, TJ Ford, Michael Sweetney, Jarvis Hayes. We've kind of hit the the no-names. Um David West went number 18. He was a good player. Yeah, he was a good player. But let's focus on that top. I mean, LeBron, Melo, Chris Bosh, D-Wade in one draft. Yeah. And the the three players I mentioned after LeBron, so Melo, Bosh, D-Wade, all went after Darko. Yep. So if you're the Pistons, you're just like, you you need. Fuck. But yeah. the Pistons won the title. The next year. Because all those other players are multiple-time All-Stars. Like, multiple-time All-Stars. Some of the best in the league during their time. But think about it, Paul. The Pistons, that great team, yeah, won the championship a year later. They, they had the number two pick. They could have been even better. Could you imagine that team with Chauncey, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, and the, um, and Chris the Wallaces? Yeah. The Wallaces with a young... Yeah, a young Chris Bosh, a young Mello off the bench, a young D. Wade. If you had Mello or D. Wade, just their scoring at that time, I mean, that those Pistons, they could have won like a couple more championships potentially. That's true. They're actually, the Pistons are very lucky to have the one championship from, from that era. I mean, yes. they have more from previous eras, but that 2004 one, 
they are kind of lucky that they. If have they would have got, I mean, if they if they could have acquired one of those players, that would have been game changing. Anyway, Darko was terrible. Darko, yeah, basically, who was this? He was this European big big man who they thought was going to be the, the next like Vladi Divac or Arvidas Sabonis type, like big dominant European big man, and he just wasn't. He sucked. So he signed with Minnesota for like a couple of years and whatever. Yep, and whatever. Sasha Pavlovich. I remember Sasha Pavlovich. He was also on Boston, I believe, at one point. And I can't remember who else he played for. Sure. Alexei Petrov. Alexei Petrov. Honestly, man, he was a really fun player to watch. I butchered that name because yep. I've never heard of him. <laughs> That's because, well, he actually played for a while. And he spells his name with an O, if I'm correct. Pavlovich. Not Pavlovich. I'm talking Sasha? Petrov. Alexei, Alexei Petrov. Oh, yeah, I clicked on the wrong one. <laughs> he did not play for a while. No, he did not. Yep, these are these are just journeymen. That's my boy. Minnesota was his last year. You know that's bad when your last year is on Minnesota for their 15-win <laughs> season. All right, enough of him. Ramon Sessions, who I kind of like. Sessions is okay. He was okay. Orlando Tucker, who's... Apparently a NBA player. Never heard of that person. Damian Wilkins. Damian, click on Damian Wilkins for a second. You got it. I actually really like Damian Wilkins as a player. He was a, he was a decent NBA player. Decent NBA journeyman. That's crazy. He came into the league at age 25 for yep, Seattle. Yep, he was an older player. He only played one season in mini. Yep. And he did all right. I want to give a shout out. I know he wasn't on that team, but he was on some teams after there was a player that Minnesota had. He's he. I really liked him a lot. Luke Ridenour, point guard. Yep. Luke Ridenour was a really solid, like, fringe starter. Really good backup point guard. Could shoot the three pretty well. Not a great defender, but I really like Luke Ridenour. Shout out to Luke Ridenour. <laughs> that's that's going to be the only shout out of 2020 for Luke Ridenour. Shout out to Luke Ridenour. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, that yeah, that team sucked. But... But I guess the point of all of this, to kind of wrap this up for me at least, and I can let Paul speak a little more about the Hawks if he wants, but there's something cool about being able to recognize that, yeah, my team, not my team, the team I root for blows chunks. They fucking suck. Yeah. But you find players to kind of like connect to and that you find endearing and maybe they suck and maybe whatever, but you still love the franchise and you love to root for them. And to me, if the wolves ever win a playoff series, all the turmoil and all of the shit will make it way more worth it than being a bandwagon fan. who it's like, yeah. Um, like I remember seeing back in like 2017 and 12 year old kids walking around town with Steph Curry jerseys. And I'm like, fuck you. You didn't know the golden state warriors were two years ago. You're wearing a Kobe Bryant Jersey probably at that point. So, so like, no disrespect to Kobe. It's just, like, that's how it works, right? Right. Like, in, especially in the Midwest here, since we have no pro team, you gravitate toward the coasts. You you think those players are cool, da, 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 or, or LeBron jersey or whatever. And it's like, fucking pay attention. Fuck you. I fucking hate bandwagon fans. I would rather talk to a fan who's like, God damn it, I've been a Sacramento Kings fan for 25 years. And I'm like, I really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, if you put up with the shit, you're a good fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, because then when your team does get Steph Curry, if you're like a Golden State fan for all those years, they were shit. And then all of a sudden you start winning championships, you're like, yes, we've done it. Like, I put up with so much shit for this and it's glorious. Or you're just losing the finals sometimes and, you know, hope for next year. Yeah. But the worst the Hawks have ever finished, at least in recent history, was this past year at 20 wins. And that was even during a shortened season. During your time as a Minnesota fan, you've had seasons of 15 wins, 17, 16, and the last year of 19. So you had four seasons worse than the Hawks' worst, which was even a shortened season. Yes, I get it, Paul. That's that's putting up with some shit. It's a lot of shit, but again... There's hope for next year, right? There is hope for next year. 
So moving on to the next thing, what do you want to talk about, Paul? Do you want to talk about Christmas or what do you want to talk about? I had a few uh, leaders okay. all time for the Timberwolves. For the teams? Okay. Yeah. I just want to see if you can guess this. I'm going to start off easy. Who do you think is the all-time two-point field goal attempts and makes leader for the Timberwolves? So it's actually – to me it's not that easy because it's, it's, it's easy. Probably Kevin Garnett. Yeah. It's Kevin Garnett by like miles. Is Andrew Wiggins number two though? He's number two in makes. Okay. He's, he's number three in attempts. Okay. Do you want to guess who's the leader for three-point makes? Probably Cat. Andrew Wiggins. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins is currently – the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise all-time leader. Oy vey. Three, he won't be for very long, though. Three-point makes. He won't be for very long. No, Cat's 13 behind him. So he'll beat him this season. Yeah, he'll beat him in like a week yeah. of the season. <laughs> How about assists? As- Man, that's so tough because I'm trying to think back. I'll give you, I'll give you three choices, all right? It's probably Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio, Jeff Teague. It's not Jeff Teague. Or Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. It's Kevin Garnett. Yeah, when you give that choice. Jeff Teague is number nine all time on Minnesota Timberwolves history. Is Rubio number two, though? Rubio's number two. I figured. Yep. It's basically Garnett, a gap, Rubio, and then a gap. And some dude named Pooh Richardson, which I love. Pooh Richardson. (laughs) I don't know who Pooh Richardson is, but I love it. (laughs) <laughs> all right so there's there's a stat called value over replacement player which is basically how much better you are than a replacement level player this is another easy question don't overthink this who's the all-time minnesota timberwolves vorp leader kevin garnett yep that was easy now who's the atlanta hawks value over replacement leader all time. All time. I mean, I would imagine. Ooh. Well, there's some players back in the day. So, like, is it Bob Pettit? It's not Bob Pettit. Is it, is it Neek? It is Dominique. Yeah. That, yep. that makes the most sense. The Hawks are kind of interesting because our, our leaderboard, like, Kevin Garnett just dominates yeah. a lot of leaderboards. Yes. He played there a long time, and he was an excellent player. The Hawks have a lot of different leaders for different stats because a lot of players just kind of play there for like six, seven seasons. Or you're in Al Horford where you do a little bit of everything. And so you're like number seven on every all-time list, but you're never number one. So like three-point field goals all-time for the Atlanta Hawks, Mookie Blaylock, who's like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Joe Johnson's number two. Kyle Korver's three. Jason Terry is four. It's like not an inspiring list of names. Trey Young is 10th on the list, and he's played there two seasons. That's going to go up quick. Yeah, but I mean, two seasons, and you're already 10th all time in the history. And it's three points. I mean, they weren't tracked for a while, then they weren't focused on. But still, like, it's basically Dominique and then just random names for a lot of stuff um trey young is up here for like assists john collins has the best offensive rating of all time for the atlanta hawks your boy which is saying something any guesses on the best defensive rating all time for the atlanta hawks and for those who don't know the the rating is basically for offense it's how many points the team scores when you're on the floor right for defense it's how many points you give up so you want a higher offensive rating, lower defensive rating. Is it Dominique? It is the Kembe Mutombo. Oh, right. Jesus. I don't know why we... Paul and I were talking about this like a while ago. We were talking about Hawks players. Yeah, but... And we like forgot about Mutombo. And I don't know how I keep forgetting about Dikembe Mutombo. Well, because he's known for his play with other teams. Right. I mean, probably Houston is who comes to mind when I think of Mutombo. Was he in Denver, too? He was on Denver, yep. yeah. He started out in Denver. Yeah. He played in Atlanta, I mean, for four years, five years. So, but I mean, good defensive player. Matumbo was awesome. He was such a fun player to watch. I bet you can guess who the uh, offensive and defensive rating are for 
the Timberwolves. Who has the best offensive rating all time for the Timberwolves? I mean, it's probably Kevin Garnett, but it should be Cat, I'm thinking. What if I told you it's neither? Oh, God. <laughs> I tricked him. It's your boy, Fred Hoiberg. Has the best offensive rating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Second all time, Taj Gibson. Shout out to Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson. He was a He's a good player. Yeah, because he's still on the Knicks. Taj Gibson is a really good player. He's a good player. Yeah. I loved him on the Bulls. I mean, and the Timberwolves. Because he was on that. Yeah, because he was on the those gritty Bulls teams, and they went to the Wolves yep. with Jeff Teague and Jimmy Butler, and he was on that playoff yeah. team. He he's a solid. He's kind of like a Millsap in a way. I mean, Millsap's better than Taj Gibson, but Taj Gibson. He's Not just, defensively though. He's a Millsap's better than Taj Gibson defensively. But hmm. Taj Gibson's a very I don't agree with solid that. player. Get out of here. <laughs> the best defensive rating. Kevin Garnett. No, I will chug whiskey if you get this right on your next guess. Ooh. Oh, that's such a good declaration. I haven't had alcohol in a week. I won't it's been like two weeks, actually. It has it, yeah, actually, you're right. It's been two weeks. Okay, so I just have to guess it. You have to guess it. I can't like ask any questions. Stop looking at my screen. I can't even <laughs> see. I can't even see your screen. The best, the best defensive rating. Can I ask one question? It's like no. I can't ask one question. No. I need a guess. Okay. So, best, I'm just trying to think through all the players on the Wolves. And there's been, like, <laughs> no good defensive players. I'll you, give, you know what? I'll give you a hint. His name is the same as another NBA player's. Like first name and last name. Is this his his first and last? I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you this is yeah I, I, I don't know. Irvin Johnson. What? <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> you should know. I don't gamble unless I know I'm gonna win. Irvin Johnson he played from 1993 to 2006. Oh wow! Not all on Minneapolis. Only the last three years were in Mini. But well, that was painful to just hear me try and guess for <laughs> three minutes. You didn't even get a guess. <laughs> you just thought about it. I was gonna guess Josh Okogi, actually. There is too much pressure. Yeah, I was gonna guess Josh Okogi though at the end. Josh Okogi doesn't even appear. He should, cause shout out to Josh Okogi. He's a good defender. I know you love you some Josh. I Akogi. love I love Josh Okogi. Shout out to Josh Okogi. All right, man, that was quite the quite the little segment we did there on our favorite teams, but um, now maybe you have a better insight into how like why we like our teams and how we feel about it and again, like basketball is just fun. We just enjoy it. It's like I don't take it that seriously. I mean, it's fun to like the competition is oh, great. Yeah. And I, but it's just like it's we, just fun. I grew up just watching every NBA team. I remember growing up I had I had like a mini basketball and had the Golden State logo on it. And I didn't know what Golden State was at the time because I'm like five years old. You know, I don't know about all the history behind it and stuff. And then later on in life, I'm like, oh, that's where that came from. That makes sense. All right. Putting it all together. By the way, speaking of teams when we were younger, I just have to shout out to me, like the greatest. I really love, I'm really into like visual not visual art that much. I'm not that like pretentious, but I love like good logos and stuff like that. To me, the best logo slash uniforms were the '90s Vancouver Grizzlies. Shout out. Okay. That okay. That branding was fucking dope. That, that was, was cool. I want to say the current Brooklyn Nets subway logo theme that they're doing. Yes, I, I love it. Yes, I do too. That is that is but, a dope but thing. those Vancouver Grizzlies because it's like the Memphis Grizzlies is a very cartoon 
like type bear. Yeah. Dude, the Vancouver Grizzly was like, I'm gonna eat your fucking face off. Yeah. I'm like, coming I'm coming out like through the shirt. Yeah. I'm gonna bust out of his it chest. It was it was really awesome. And those teams sucked. But man, <laughs> dude, that was cool. Like also, currently, the Miami Heat. They have some really dope jerseys. Yes, they do. Especially the uh, street ones or whatever they're Miami called. Miami Vice. The Miami Vice. Yeah. They're really cool. They are really cool. Like, I kind of want one. I don't I don't actually want one, but I, I kind of want one. I will one. tell you, speaking as a homer, um, the Timberwolves Purple Rain Prince jerseys are amazing. Might have to get one of those. Yeah. They're really cool. Anyway, um, yeah. So- so the Timberwolves are on an exclusive list of teams that have never won a championship. The other members of this esteemed club would be the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, the Brooklyn Nets, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, the Charlotte Hornets. You have a lot of company in this club. The Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the New Orleans Pelicans. My team, the Atlanta Hawks, won the championship in 1958. And in it, the ABA. And it counts, damn it. <laughs> it counts. <laughs> However you can get them, Paul. I also want to shout out, there are three teams that have won a title and never lost in the finals. So they've made it to the finals and won every single time. The Chicago Bulls are one of them. The Ch- so the Chicago Bulls, I have in my notes, Michael fucking Jordan. Because they, <laughs> they did it six times. Six Times. Six times. So yeah. let me think about teams. There's uh, there's two other teams. They each other team has only done it once, and this is kind of the legend of Michael Jordan, right? He did it six times. So let me think about teams that have won titles. Yada yada and yada. Also, the Bulls have never made the finals without Michael Jordan. Right. I mean, God, I'm trying yeah. to th- I'm trying to think of who has won a title and only gone once and not gone again and lost. You want a really big hint? Sure. One of them has happened in the last 10 years. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. They're one and only 2019. So another, the other team that has been to the finals once and won it their only time, it happened in 1951. Okay. Way back. They're kind of like me where they're like, we've won a title. And it, in our heart, we know it doesn't really count. But we're counting it. The Sacramento Kings. Wow. Yep. That's what they're holding on to is 1951. Yikes. So of the teams that I mentioned that haven't won a title yet, which one do you think has the best chance of winning a title next? A lot of people would say the Clippers. The Clipper, Yeah, I mean, I thought the Clippers were going to win the title last year. I would say Denver. The Brooklyn Nets would be an interesting pick. Yeah, fuck the Brooklyn Nets. I, I mean, that, I mean, fuck them, but... No, seriously, that team... Look, on paper, I agree with you. You have Kevin Durant. Sure. Kyrie Irving. Sure. Karis LeVert. Yeah. You have a great coaching staff. Yeah. Multiple head coaches. I mean, Mike D'Antoni is going there as an assistant coach. Yeah. But, and guess Mark. what? They also have the personalities of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Can't argue that. And now that they have Mike D'Antoni... I mean... What the fuck is there? Like, they're already <laughs> talking about, well, maybe Steve Nash won't be coaching every night. I just think, look, prove me wrong. That's fine. Hopefully, whatever. But if Kyrie Irving is uh, goofy enough to believe in the earth being flat, he is probably goofy enough to fuck up everything chemistry-wise. That's fair. He's had some bad takes, personally. Like, really bad takes. Yeah. And I just think the toxicity is going to be too much. The reason I picked Denver off of that list is because they their core is so good, and most of it's going to stay there. They have a lot of camaraderie as a team. They love their coach, and they got a good coach. And their two best players are not even in their prime yet. Plus, let's talk about the X Factor and kind of unknown, of Michael Porter Jr. If that dude keeps ascending like we think he might, it's over, man. And maybe they just trade him for someone who is established. Sure. Ah, uh, I don't know, man. He already improved in the playoffs. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I get your point, yeah, but he, like... 
there are some issues there though too. But he was a rookie. They, you could. I mean, that's when his potential is the highest, right? I don't know. That's when another team might take a bite and say, "Oh, we're gonna get a deal on this guy." Maybe. And they get an established vet. And they're like, "Fuck it, let's run it back." I mean, the L.A. Clippers would have to be high on that list too. I don't disagree, but again, I think. Look, they could. The Clippers, like, kind kind of to the antithesis of the Nets, they could. I think there's some personnel problems. Okay. But I think it'll get better with a new coach. They have Ty Lue. Uh I know he's very well respected amongst the players in general. Yeah. Like amongst all players, he's very well well respected as a coach. But and there is some. I mean, there is some lingering personnel issues with Doc Rivers. Like he had some personal beef with Paul George. Sure. Even even. But the they still Austin have to Rivers prove it. Stuff though. was still lingering. They still have to prove it though. They still have to prove it. So right now, I don't think they can do it because I think there's too many personnel issues. Kyrie. Or sorry, Kawhi. Their names. I guess they got confused. <laughs> Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, Ka- Kawhi has to come out and reassert his dominance. If I had to put money down on which team between Clippers and Nuggets is going to win a title first, I would have to say the Clippers because I think I think their window is going to be the next two years. Just I because think, they have a window doesn't mean they're going to make it. No, but I think the Nuggets window is going to be the next like five years right but i guess my so i would put money on the nuggets and i would i would say the nuggets are overall more likely to win a title but i think if the clippers win a title it'll be sooner i actually don't necessarily agree with that you think the nuggets are gonna i think they could because think about it man i, I mean the, the nuggets I, did just beat the clippers in a series and they and they i mean look they got la i mean the, the lakers gamed him well in the western conference finals but this is also a team that was dog fucking tired. Yeah. I mean, I mean c- coming back from 3-1 three, three, one, one, twice. twice. Okay. So the thing about the Nuggets to me is obviously Jokic is going to get better. Murray was hurt for the end part of that. So this is my point. Jamal Murray. Because again, if that dude specifically, forget Michael Porter Jr. If Jamal Murray becomes who we think he might become. Dude, I love Jamal Murray. I know. Well, so do I. But like. This guy, not quite Steph Curry level, but man, again, when he's on, I would, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. Paul and I have talked about this. So we won't do this today, but like the hottest players in the NBA, who gets like hot, like when they get, when they're on, would you, who's the most dangerous player? Would you trade Cat for Jamal Murray? Just straight up? Mm, no. I think it's tough. I wouldn't. I mean, Denver wouldn't either because they I actually have wouldn't trade Cat for anybody right now. Because and the re- the only reason is he hasn't been given a fair shot to like play on a really good team. That's I. That's there's true. a lot. There's just... a lot to be said about having better players around you and being like having a good organization, a good foundation, a good front office. Like Denver has everything. Right. They have a good front office. They have a great coaching staff. They have good players. And so a player like Jamal Murray who has had some inconsistent years to start, he, he found it this year. I mean, if, if you ask me, would you trade Trey Young for Jamal Murray straight up? That would be tough. I I might do it. See, I would do... So, so let, me, and let me dive into it a little deeper. I would do that trade just because it's guard for guard. I think it's also tough. Like, if you're just talking about talent, I still don't know if I'd do cat for Jamal Murray. But it, it, I was, think can, it was more of a talent question. You can justify to me Trey Young and Jamal Murray because they're similar. They're similar. I mean, although Trey Young is a better playmaker, he's a better passer. Yeah, Jamal Murray is better on defense. Right. Because it's kind of a wash to me. Yeah, but I mean, I would still consider that at least. I'd be like, I'm, I'm gonna think about that. I'll call you back. Yeah, that kind of, and I hate to use this term because, I'll, but I'll use it because people know it. The, the Mamba mentality. Like, Jamal Murray has that X factor, like, end of game, give me the fucking ball. Like, yep. that, that's the cool thing about him and Jokic is they complement each other so well. Like, Jokic is just steady and consistent. And just, like, he's going to he's gonna have great moves in the low post. He's going to be able to do, like, weird off-kilter jump shots that will go in. He obviously, like, the offense runs through him, and he's a really great passer, and he's just very consistent, right? 
Yep. Then you have Jamal Murray, who might turn it over three times. But then he's going to go out and score, like, fucking 15 points in a row <laughs> yeah. and, like, start shooting from 40 feet. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? He makes, like, a left-hand three-pointer, and you're like, that was a fucking stupid shot, but I love it because <laughs> it went in. <laughs> Jamal, it's just like, I'm going to spin around and do, like, a 360 windmill layup. And you're like, sure, I'll let it happen. Whatever. <laughs> he's undeterred. Like, nothing will throw him off. So I to circle back around, I'd mentioned the Bulls and how they went six and zero in the finals, and just how ungodly that is. I want to shout out the Spurs too, because they're five and one. Yeah, their only loss was twenty thirteen. They lost to the Miami Heat, who's a very good twenty thirteen Miami Heat team. Like that is a really good team. Then the Spurs came back and won it the next year. So the Spurs being five and one is really something to be proud of too. Just. To circle around back to that. Shout out to the Spurs. Shout out to the Spurs. And with that, we've talked about a lot of teams today. So I think to wrap things up today, we'll briefly go over Christmas because we kind of teased it earlier. And I'm not telling the Atlanta story today because we don't have time. That's but maybe right. next time. I'm teasing it. <laughs> That's a podcast all to itself. It might be. <laughs> uh, so very quickly, we'll just kind of wrap things up with this. So the NBA announced this. The next season will start on December 22nd. The big marquee day for NBA. You know, like NFL has Thanksgiving, but it's Christmas Day. Yep. You watch on Christmas. I love it because I'm just like, don't talk to me, family. I'm going to watch TV. So there's four games on Christmas Day, and which means eight teams. And so Paul and I were talking about like, okay. Who do we want to see play? Right. If I'm going to ignore the family, which I'd probably do anyway, who do we want to watch <laughs> on TV? I mean, I think LA versus LA is just kind of, just write that down in Sharpie. That's going to happen. That's the marquee matchup. It's going to be the primetime. And, gonna, yep. and look, you can talk about LA versus LA, first of all, from a COVID perspective. So we're going to kind of talk of it with that lens on it. And Paul made a really good point about Really what makes the most sense is if they can do kind of like regional type games for Christmas Day. Because that's what they're looking at anyway. I just like doing that anyway. Because you get a lot of fandom from baseball and uh, football, which have regions. I mean, smaller than East and West like the NBA has. You know, the NBA doesn't really have... It's like Minnesota versus Chicago and Milwaukee. It's not as big. The conferences should be abolished, Paul. I've told you that. Oh, I agree with you. That's, that's the point I'm arguing is that this kind of gives them an excuse to go towards something more like that. Right. And say, oh, it's easier travel. Yeah, maybe we don't have to fly. We can bus and that's safer for COVID or something like that. But I think they should do things like that. And especially on Christmas Day, I think that'd be a good time to highlight it. So a couple ideas. Obviously, LA and LA. It's a given. Uh, one that I had, which would be really fun. They're not like two of the best teams in the league, but they're upper echelon would be, um, Dallas and Houston. Yeah. And that, that's With just Luka another and great, James Harden. It's another could great be a really matchup. fun matchup. The entire state of Texas is going to tune in and watch that. One I just thought of that would be, I don't know if they'd do it cause it'd be a little like less marquee. Um, but would be kind of a playoff, um, rematch would be Utah and Denver. That could be good. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray. I mean, could, I don't know. Utah doesn't do it for me. No, they don't do it for me either. I'm just saying regional stuff. They're they're fairly close. Yeah. So, I, I think that'd be good from an NBA marketing perspective. Yes. I kind of had one too. I wanted to see Minnesota and Chicago. I think that's a terrible idea. I don't know I why, did, he, why, why, he like, <laughs> why you like that ball. Well, because I think Chicago has some good young players. They're not under Boylan anymore, so they're going to be better. I think it could be fun. It could also just be a complete train wreck. I mean, the score could be like 70 to 82, and that's just like with 15 minutes of garbage time in the last half. So how about Boston and the Nets? I like it. Yeah. I think that I think that will probably happen, kinda, honestly. Kind of like LALA. You want the Knicks and the Nets to play each other, but the Knicks suck. So <laughs> I don't know if you can schedule that. I think Boston's a better matchup. And then maybe Toronto-Milwaukee? Toronto-Milwaukee would be good. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Who I mean, else? to me though, Miami probably deserves a spot because they were in the finals, but they may get axed. Who would they play? Orlando? That's like, the that's, thing. Like, I'm that's not, not. Yeah, and I mean, Miami, while they're a really good team, they're not that exciting. Could they play Atlanta? 
I don't I don't think that would get enough viewers. No. I mean, yeah, Toronto Toronto Milwaukee would be a good game. That'd be a really good game. Toronto Milwaukee, yeah. And then yeah, I mean, and Boston Boston Nets would be really interesting. That would be. Although would, it'd be great because I want to see I want to see the Nets. I do like, want to see them, but it's going to be funny because I honestly hope that's the matchup because here's what I want to see. Here's my my fantasy for that game. Right? You have the Nets they have just like these big fucking terrible attitudes. They think they're amazing, the best team in the league. And then you have like arguably one of the most disciplined teams in the league in Boston, one of the most well-coached teams, and they come and just fucking blow them out probably. <laughs> the Nets have like 20 turnovers and they're just you can already tell they're imploding on the bench. The Jalen five- Brown has blocked Kevin Durant like 3 times. <laughs> the five head coaches don't know what to do. Yeah. Actually Jason Tatum probably gets like a dunk over Durant has his nuts in his face, all that shit. <laughs> Jalen Brown gets like two, or Marcus Smart gets like two steals from Kyrie, pushes him down. I mean, love it. And actually, there's, I mean, there's that blood with Kyrie being on the Celtics. Right. That, yeah. I like it. I bet that happens. What are the odds that the Pelicans get a TV spot because of Zion? So it's, it's definitely possible. And maybe it's like Pelicans and Denver. Maybe that's your matchup. I'm fine with, I mean, I'm thinking like, Pelicans, maybe they even switch out one of the Houston and Dallas, and they do like Pelicans versus Dallas, or like New Orleans versus Houston. I would say maybe more New Orleans versus Dallas, just because then you have like Zion and Luca, kind of yeah, that the, young, the like, battle of the young studs, right? Something like that. Because you do have Stan Van Gundy now with New Orleans, you have a better coach or more established than Alvin Gentry. Maybe it's even like New Orleans versus Miami. Maybe that's how you get them in. Yeah, I mean it's regionally it works fine yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where we're very blessed right now as fans with just like an abundance of talent that there's so many scenarios you can come up with but for sure i think we're booking it right now la la marquee game yep it's gonna that's gonna be the late night slot yeah just book it automatically you can also book that the Sacramento Kings will not be playing on Christmas Day. Neither will the Wolves. So <laughs> probably not the Hawks either. Is this how it is? But yeah, I bet if I were to put money on it, I would bet LA, 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 and I would bet Brooklyn and Boston. Those I, to me are the the most like sure things. I wonder if they try to get the Knicks in there just because they're the Knicks. And the Pelicans just because of Zion. I mean, the Pelicans had a ton of national TV games last season. Yeah, but there's, I mean, that's the thing with Christmas Day. There's always snubs. There's always snubs. And there has to be. Because there's only eight teams that get it. That's right. So, fuck the Knicks. (laughs) I mean, fuck the Nets too, but like really fuck the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Knicks fans are like, you're talking about pain? You're talking about pain over there? That's a good point. (laughs) I mean... At least, at least our owners of the Timberwolves and the Hawks aren't James Dolan. God. The owner of the Knicks. We have that going for us. Jesus Christ. He owns a cable company. That's all you need to know about him. He's a piece of shit. He also thinks he's part of a band because he just pays people to play with him. And, and like, he wears like the worst fucking hats ever. And he owns arenas, so then he just books himself at arenas. And he's like, oh, I'm popular. No, you just own the place. It's like me saying I'm popular in my own house. Like, yeah, of course I am. My cat thinks I'm popular. That doesn't mean I'm a good NBA owner. He is so incredibly insecure. Yeah, like he is. so obviously insecure. Yeah, he kicks ex players out of the garden. We talked about that last time, I think. Charles Oakley and bullshit. Yeah. Shout out to Knicks fans because they. Yeah, sh- yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Shout out to Knicks fans because you guys have been through, through some shit. They've ridden through the shit. Some fucking shit. Well, it's been really fun to reminisce about old times and old Timberwolves teams that really fucking suck. But I'm excited for the draft. Eight days till the draft. We're going to see how the Timberwolves can fuck it up again. Number one pick. There's rumors the Hawks are going to trade up for number two. And there's rumors that Charlotte's going to trade up for number one or the Wolves are going to select James Wiseman and piss both him and Cat off. It's going to be fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) But since David Kahn's gone, maybe they'll do the right thing. Maybe they're actually, like, they do have, like, shout out to Gerson Rosas, by the way, president of basketball operations. They have a competent front office, finally. But anyway, drafts next week, and then, good Jesus, let's look. And then after just that, a little, it's like a month and a half little, away until yeah. the season starts up, which is crazy. Month. 
This is crazy. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited for Christmas Day, but I'm excited for the draft. And we will probably do our next show post-draft so we can kind of catch up on what's going on. But until then, I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Basketballers. (laughs) 